0: Hello there, I'm Nurse Mo, and this is the Straight A Nursing Podcast, where I teach concepts and share tips on how to thrive in nursing school and at the bedside. So today we are focusing on pharmacology with 12 drugs to know before your first clinical day. And if you're already in clinical or even working as a nurse, it's just great to review these common medications. Before we jump into that though, let's take a quick minute for our listener shout-out and this one goes out to Brandy who says this. Are you considering becoming a professor? Every time I listen to your podcast, I wonder how the heck you are able to simplify even the most complex subjects. I can just remember everything you say and I'm always in awe. You are such a gifted teacher. I'd go to a graduate program specifically if you were a professor within the program. Brandy, thank you so much. That just absolutely made my day, maybe even my whole entire week. I'm not going to lie. I love that you are a fan of the podcast and that you're finding it so, so helpful. And I want to wish you the absolute very best in everything that you do. All right, so let's dive in. Again, we're talking about 12 very common drugs that you should know before your first clinical day and also just brush up on no matter where you are in your nursing journey. So as a student, even as a nurse, you're going to learn hundreds of drugs over the span of your career. But the ones you know really, really well tend to be the ones that you use on a regular basis. So if you're just starting out and aren't sure which drugs to focus on, this list of a dozen common drugs will definitely come in handy in a wide variety of clinical settings. While this episode certainly does not convey everything there is to know about each of these medications, it does include the key things to know, what the medication is used for, some specifics about administration and key side effects and assessments. So we'll start with diphenhydramine. So why is diphenhydramine used? You will often see this medication used to treat pruritus or itching associated with opioid medications and allergic reactions ranging from mild reactions all the way up to anaphylactic reactions. Many times diphenhydramine is administered prior to the patient receiving blood products or medications such as chemotherapy to prevent mild allergic reactions. Though not as common of a use, you may also see diphenhydramine utilized to treat dystonic reactions to medications. And because it causes drowsiness, some patients will take diphenhydramine to help them sleep. But be aware that it can cause a paradoxical excitation in children and acute confusion In the elderly. So, when we're looking at administration details for diphenhydramine, it can be administered PO or IV. And when diphenhydramine is used to prevent those mild allergic reactions, it's given about 30 minutes to an hour prior to the blood product or chemotherapy or whatever agent it is being used to prevent the allergic reaction from. I hope that made sense. And then, as far as side effects and assessment, Drowsiness and dry mouth are two very common side effects of diphenhydramine. And you also want to just make sure you're monitoring your elderly patients, especially for acute confusion, which can be quite pronounced. Next on our list is furosemide. And why is this medication used? Furosemide is a diuretic, and it's used to prevent and treat fluid volume overload, and hypertension. Typically, those who receive furosemide have heart failure, but it may also be utilized in individuals with edema secondary to liver disease or renal impairment. When we're looking at administering furosemide, it can be administered PO or IV, Note that if the medication is given twice per day, then the second dose is generally not administered much later than 5 p.m., so as to minimize sleep disruptions and trips to the bathroom. IV furosemide is usually given as an IV push, but it may be administered as a continuous slow infusion in critically ill individuals. Looking at side effects and assessments, Because furosemide exerts its effects on the loop of Henle, significant potassium losses can occur. So you need to watch your patient for hypokalemia and then also possibly be replacing potassium as well. Additionally, furosemide causes volume losses because it's a diuretic, so that makes sense. So you really want to watch for hypotension, including orthostatic hypotension. This puts your patient at high risk for falls, so make sure you're teaching them to change positions slowly. Key assessments include monitoring your patient's fluid volume status, their potassium level, also their creatinine level. It can cause creatinine to increase, and you're watching their blood pressure. If furosemide is being given to treat or prevent pulmonary edema, which is a very common use, you'll also want to auscultate lung sounds, measure their SpO2, and observe work of breathing to ensure the medication is working as it's intended. The third drug in our list of a dozen drugs to know is hydralazine. So why is hydralazine used? This medication is used to treat hypertension, and it works by causing arterial vasodilation. So when we're looking at administering hydralazine, it comes in PO and IV formulations. And I should back up and say, as a nursing student, you're probably not giving any IV push medications, but it's still just helpful to know how the medication may be administered. When giving PO-hydralazine, it's administered with meals to ensure consistent absorption. And then side effects and assessment for hydralazine. A common side effect of hydralazine is tachycardia, which often prevents it from being used as a first-line agent for hypertension. Other adverse effects include headache, flushing, and dizziness. Your key assessments for a patient taking hydralazine are blood pressure and heart rate. Next on our list of medications to know is gabapentin, and why is this medication used? Gabapentin is a CNS depressant that is classified in several different ways, making it a diverse and widely used medication. It is in the therapeutic class of anticonvulsants, analgesics, and mood stabilizers. Its official indications are to treat seizure, to treat postherpatic neuralgia, and to treat restless leg syndrome. But one of the most common uses you'll see is actually an off-label use, and that is for the treatment of neuropathic pain. Let's look at some administration things to know about gabapentin. So gabapentin comes in immediate release and extended release PO formulations. And one thing I learned early on about gabapentin is that some patients will be on significantly high doses and take multiple capsules. Anytime that you are opening multiple blister packs or anytime you're opening multiples of any medication, always double check the dose just to be sure. I had a patient once who was on so much gabapentin it felt really weird to be opening that many packs that I definitely went back and triple checked that dose. As far as side effects and assessment, the key side effect with gabapentin is drowsiness, and it can also cause confusion, dizziness, and ataxia. Note that if your patient is taking other medications that depress the central nervous system such as antihistamines or opioids, they are at higher risk for CNS depression. It compounds those effects. Next, we'll talk about levothyroxine, probably one of the most common medications you'll ever see. But first, a quick break. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care Next is levothyroxine, a very common medication you'll see used. And why is it used? Levothyroxine is used to replace thyroid hormone in individuals with hypothyroidism. How about some administration details about levothyroxine? Well, first off, it is administered in IV or PO form, and typically it's given around 6 a.m. before the first meal of the day. If it's taken PO, the individual should wait 30 to 60 minutes prior to having their breakfast. Note that foods and medications containing iron, calcium, magnesium, or zinc can bind levothyroxine and prevent its full absorption. So supplements and even dairy products should be avoided for about four hours before or after levothyroxine administration. For side effects and assessment, Side effects from levothyroxine typically don't occur unless the levels are too high. And then when they do, they resemble hyperthyroidism. Things like tachycardia, sweating, diarrhea, and heat intolerance. Next, we have lisinopril. And why is this medication used? Lisinopril is an ACE inhibitor, and it's used to treat hypertension and heart failure. It works by disrupting the RAS pathway. It inhibits angiotensin-converting enzyme, which is why it's called an ACE inhibitor, and this blocks the conversion of angiotensin-1 to the potent vasoconstrictor angiotensin-2. The overall effect is vasodilation and lower blood pressure. As far as administering lisinopril, it comes in PO form as tablets or an oral solution and looking at side effects and assessment. One of the most common side effects of lisinopril and other ACE inhibitors is a dry cough that for a lot of people is troublesome enough that they seek alternative therapies for their hypertension. And of course, as an antihypertensive agent, lisinopril can also cause hypotension and dizziness. Lisinopril and other ACE inhibitors can also cause renal impairment and hyperkalemia. So if your patient is also taking potassium supplements or a potassium-sparing diuretic such as spironolactone, they will be at especially high risk for hyperkalemia. So key assessments include monitoring your patient's potassium levels and keeping an eye on their blood pressure. Another very common medication is metformin. Why is this medication used? Metformin is used to maintain optimal blood glucose levels in individuals with type 2 diabetes, not type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes. It works by decreasing hepatic glucose production, decreasing intestinal glucose absorption, and increasing insulin sensitivity. Looking at the administration details for metformin, it's administered in PO form and is held if the patient receives IV contrast due to the heightened risk for acute kidney injury, and I 100% guarantee you that if you're in nursing school, that little tidbit will be on an exam. Looking at side effects and assessment, the most common complaints related to metformin are GI-related things like abdominal bloating, diarrhea, and nausea or vomiting. It may also cause an unpleasant metallic taste in the mouth. You want to monitor your patient's bowel habits and fluid volume status if diarrhea and vomiting are present. You will also, of course, monitor your patient's blood glucose levels, especially if they are taking other glucose-lowering medications. Next up is metoprolol. Why is this medication used? Metoprolol is a beta blocker that lowers heart rate and blood pressure. It is primarily used to treat hypertension, angina pectoris, and heart failure. Most of the time, you're going to see it used for hypertension. Some off-label uses include tachycardia, tremors, and anxiety due to its effects on the sympathetic nervous system. So when we're looking at administering metoprolol, it may be administered PO or IV, and because this medication causes a slowing of the heart rate, you want to assess the patient's pulse prior to administration as the order should have a hold parameter if the heart rate is below 50 or 60 beats per minute. And it will specify in the order what that parameter is. Looking at side effects and assessment, common side effects of metoprolol include bradycardia, which makes sense, also fatigue and weakness. Because of metoprolol's mechanism of action, you're monitoring your patient's heart rate and their blood pressure while they're taking this medication. Next up is morphine, and morphine is an opioid analgesic that is used to treat pain. When we're looking at administering morphine, it comes in IV, epidural, intrathecal, rectal, and PO formulations, with extended release tablets also available. P.O. morphine may be administered with food or milk to minimize GI upset. Now looking at side effects and assessment for morphine, the key side effects you're watching for with morphine or any opioid are respiratory depression and sedation. Note that these effects are increased when morphine is taken along with other opioids or other medications that cause CNS depression, such as benzodiazepines. Other common side effects include hypotension, nausea, and pruritus or itching. In addition to monitoring respiratory status and blood pressure, you'll also need to assess your patient's pain to determine if the medication has been effective. Next up is prednisone. Why is this medication used? So prednisone is used in a wide variety of conditions, such as all kinds of autoimmune diseases. It's used in asthma, not as a rescue treatment, but as a more of a stabilizing maintenance therapy. It's used for allergies and inflammatory conditions. When we're looking at administration details, prednisone comes in tablet and oral solution formulations. And if the dose is ordered daily or less frequently, like every other day or every third day, the dose is administered in the morning to coincide with the body's normal cortisol release. Prednisone is administered with meals to minimize potential GI upset. As far as side effects and assessment go, some common side effects to watch for with your patient include mood swings, hypertension, hyperglycemia, and nausea. Patients taking prednisone long term can develop osteoporosis, poor wound healing, muscle wasting, and what's called a cushingoid appearance, which is a buffalo hump at the upper back and a rounded face called a moon face. Keep a close eye on your patient's blood glucose levels, their blood pressure, and their skin integrity while you're caring for a patient taking prednisone. Next up, we have Simvastatin. And why is this medication used? Simvastatin is used to treat hyperlipidemia and ultimately prevent complications such as myocardial infarction and stroke. So, when we're looking at administration of Simvastatin, it comes in tablet form and as an oral suspension. It is generally administered once daily in the evening. And patients should avoid grapefruit juice, as this can lead to toxicity. When we're looking at the side effects and assessment with simvastatin, common side effects include rash, abdominal cramps, diarrhea, and constipation. Monitor your patient's lipid levels, their bowel habits, and for any signs of muscle weakness. If your patient develops muscle weakness, this could be a sign of a serious reaction, including rhabdomyolysis. Next up, we have warfarin. Actually, this is our last one. So why is warfarin used? Warfarin is an anticoagulant used to prevent blood clots and resulting pulmonary embolism as well as thrombotic stroke in patients with atrial fibrillation. It's also used to prevent thrombus formation after prosthetic valve placement. So when we're looking at administering warfarin, it comes in PO form, and the dose is going to be variable depending on the patient's INR. This is a lab test that tells us about their ability to clot. This means the dose could change as frequently as daily. So careful attention must be given to lab results and administration instructions. Looking at side effects and assessment, the key thing to watch for in your patient who is taking warfarin is bleeding. You'll also be checking that INR lab result daily to ensure the medication is at therapeutic levels and to assess their bleeding risk. The higher the INR, the higher the patient's risk for bleeding. In general, a therapeutic INR for most patients will be between two and three, and this depends on why the medication is being utilized, but the most common indications have a therapeutic range of an INR between two and three. So there you have it, your quick guide to a dozen drugs to know before your first clinical day or just a dozen drugs to know to review no matter where you are in your nursing journey. Before we close this out, let's go back and just talk through the indications for each one of these so that if nothing else, you look at your patient's drugs when they're you're checking out their chart in the morning or at the start of your shift, you'll know more or less why they're getting this medication. Ready? Let's do this. Okay, so for diphenhydramine, that's often used to treat a mild allergic reaction. It could be used to treat pruritus when the patient is getting opioids because sometimes opioids cause itching. And it could also be used for sleep and even dystonic reactions. If you're giving it to an elderly patient, watch for acute confusion. And then furosemide is a diuretic. Oftentimes, the patient taking furosemide has heart failure. Hydralazine is used to treat hypertension. And then gabapentin is classified for all kinds of uses, anticonvulsant, analgesic, and as a mood stabilizer, you're most likely going to see it used to treat neuropathic pain. Levothyroxine is used for hypothyroidism. Lisinopril is an ACE inhibitor used to treat hypertension and heart failure. Metformin is used to maintain optimal blood glucose control in type 2 diabetes. Metoprolol is a beta blocker that lowers heart rate and blood pressure. It is primarily used to treat hypertension. You could also see it used for angina pectoris and in patients with heart failure. Morphine is used to treat pain. That was an easy one. I hope you knew that one already. Prednisone has a ton of uses. You're going to see it used a lot in autoimmune disease, in asthma, allergies, and inflammatory conditions. And then simvastatin is used to treat hyperlipidemia or high cholesterol levels. And then warfarin. Warfarin is an anticoagulant used to prevent blood clots and resulting pulmonary embolism and stroke. So there you go. That is your quick guide to a dozen drugs to know. I hope you found this helpful. If you're interested in learning more about pharmacology and you like learning in this podcast audio format, then I invite you to check out Fast Pharmacology, where I have recorded over 90, maybe close to 100 lessons teaching you pharmacology concepts In five minutes or less. So, if you want to review and learn Farm Fast, definitely check out Fast Pharmacology. I'll put a link in the episode notes. And of course, you can always just go to my website, straightanursingstudent.com, and click on courses in the menu bar to learn more. So, I'm really happy you were here with me today, and really happy that you're going to be joining me next week, where we're going to talk about a very common medical condition that you will see in nursing school, you will see at the bedside, and you may even see it in yourself. So I will see you back here next week for that. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing, a proud member of the Airwave Media Network. For more educational podcasts, check out airwavemedia.com. And for more nursing-related content, go to straightanursingstudent.com.